Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. It's such an honor to be here. I just want to honor Pastor Phil. You know, in the last few days, what a dear friend he's truly become. And, there's, you know, we travel everywhere and there's not many leaders I meet that have such an outward focus to reach those that don't know Jesus Christ. So, honestly, you guys are blessed to have an evangelistic pastor like Phil. God bless you, Phil. We love you. Friends, before we pray, I just want to pray before we get into the word. But before that, I just want to say we're not here for an ordinary church service. We're not in this to be behind a stage. We will preach on the streets if we're never in a church again, I promise you. We're not here for a platform or just to do ministry. We believe, we're convinced, we're fully convinced and fully persuaded that we're in a temperature of revival. With everything going on in the political system, with everything going on in the statistics of gang crime and knife crime, it's in the midst of seasons like this, dark moments like this, where the light of God shines the brightest. So I just want to say, open up your heart. Because we're not here to just, you know, play games and just give a little message and go home. We truly believe that lives are going to be healed in this place today. People that have come here sick. People that have come here and you've tried the doctor. You've tried the professional. They've given you the drugs. They've numbed the sickness for a moment. But your body is still deteriorating and you need hope. And I'm here to let you know when the doctor doesn't have the solution, when the drugs can't heal you properly, there is a healer like no one else. His name is Jesus Christ. Those of you that have come here hungry, those of you that have come here and you're just hungry for God, where you've tasted religion, you've tasted tradition. You've tasted a church building, but you haven't tasted and experienced Jesus himself. You haven't tasted his fire. You haven't experienced his power. And I'm here to let you know today, friends, in Cambridge, something is going to happen today. I'm not just saying that. I was sitting in the coffee shop yesterday with Pastor Phil, and as he shared with me, that you know how he's been evangelizing and his heart for the church. The Holy Spirit just came upon me tangibly. Not just an emotion, not a goosebump. I felt pins and needles like electricity go through my hands in that moment. And I just knew something's going to happen today. I expect the unexpected. Have a hungry heart. And I just threw all my notes out of the window. And today, I want to preach about hunger for God. Are you hungry for God? If I could title this sermon, Are You Hungry for God? Just a few quick notices. My team always tell me, my wife tells me, just mention things before you get into it. But just quickly, 
Um, on the 7th of September, we're doing a national outreach at the Trafalgar Square, where we're going to have a stage up. We're going to publicly be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to have healing on the streets, and we're just going to go for it. We're going to take the capital of the UK by storm, not just with persuasive words of human wisdom, but with the demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that's on the 7th of September. And from the 22nd of September, we're going to be holding seven nights of revival in central London, free of charge at the city temple. We've already got over 3,000 people registered. We just know something's going to happen. We're in, you know, like I said in that clip, there's been intercession for decades and years, and I don't believe it's been in vain. There's been saints and pastors and leaders that have labored decades upon decades, and I don't believe it's in vain. And when Smith Wigglesworth released a prophetic word in 1947, he said, when those of the word come together with those of the spirit, we will see a move of God like never before. It will come out of the UK and it will spill out into Europe and to the furthest parts of the world. And I don't know about you, friends, that prophecy was released in 1947. We're in 2019 now. And when I read about prophetic words like that, I don't want it to just pass me by. A great move of God coming to this nation to see a revival. I don't want to just live life, go to church and just, you know, go to conferences. But, you know, there's no move of God that's been prophesied like the days of old. And I just believe, friends, that we're in that season. When Smith Wigglesworth released that, I believe he was talking about me and you. I'm convinced. They're in heaven right now, rooting us on. Not so we can just do the same as them, but so we can jump on their shoulders and take this to the next level. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of Daniel, God of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we come to you, Creator, Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we come to you, not in our righteousness, not through religion. We come to you through the righteousness of Christ. And Lord, I thank you that through the righteousness of Christ, you hear us, you're for us. And in this place today, I just take authority over every sickness and disease and any demonic oppression. I come against you in the name of Jesus Christ. I come against any principality operating over this street, operating over the high street, operating over Cambridgeshire. We come against you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we declare an open heaven over this house today. May your angels be welcome. May they ascend and descend. May the fire of heaven pour out in this place today. And Lord, as your word goes forth, let it go forth like a sword. Let it go forth like a hammer that breaks the rock. Let it go forth and bring healing and restoration in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I declare every life in this place will not be left the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Friends, today I want to speak about hunger for God. Because sometimes after years go by, religion can get in. Apathy can get in. 
Tradition can get in and just suck the life out of you. And when I first came to Christ, which I'm going to share about in a moment, I'd come across many religious leaders that would want to throw a wet blanket on the fire. They would want to say, listen, Daniel, it's just enthusiasm. After six months, it will calm down. We were all like that one point. But, you know, but friends, I want to encourage you in this place. There was a hunger in my heart and it increased and increased and increased. It doesn't have to slow down. It doesn't have to dry up. Friends, that little flame that's burning in our hearts can and will turn into a blazing inferno when the Holy Ghost gets upon you. And when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was 20 years old. And I was involved in a court case. And I was really just on fire for the devil. Our family was a Catholic, from a Catholic background. And so I'd hear about Jesus, but have no relationship with him. I knew who he was. I had friends who were Muslims. I had family who were Catholics. Some would say he's just a prophet. Some would say he's a baby in a manger. Some would say he's just a historical figure. I had information in my head, but no revelation in my heart of who Jesus is. I knew about him, but I didn't know him. And religion and not knowing him just led me to live a life of crime, violence, just being on fire for the devil. And I was 20 years old, got arrested for the third time, just for fighting really, would get under the influence of alcohol, drugs, and just get violent. And it was a dark, dark stage of my life. When we were arrested, we were put in a cell for about 23 hours, and we got released on bail. I went home. My parents kicked me out straight away just because I've just let everyone down. You know, I'm just living a life of just hell, really. And as I was on bail, I moved from Bedford to North London. And as I got to North London whilst on bail... I got involved with the wrong crowd even more. I thought, I'm on bail, I can run away from the court case, just live a new life. But I got involved with the wrong crowd, and now I was drowning my sorrows even more. I was just clubbing, partying three, four, five times a week. And it was just a dark, dark place I was in. And then I began to receive letters to come to Crown Court for trial. A very scary point of my life. I thought, this is it. They found me. I'm going to go to prison. My life is over. And a friend of mine who lived a couple of doors away from me said, Daniel, I can see you're depressed. I can see you're down. And I said, I am. He said, well, I know someone who can get you out of this mess. I said, who? And he said, Jesus Christ. And I laughed in his face. Because I've heard about Jesus. I've heard about the historical figure. I've heard about the baby in the manger. But he was telling me about Jesus in a way I've never heard before. He was saying, Daniel, this isn't about religion. This isn't about rules and regulations. This is about a relationship with God. And if you just repent from your sins and just turn from this mess you're in... God's arms are open to you. He's a father that's running towards you to receive you. Just turn to him. 
And in that moment of my life, I thought, listen, I've tried everything else. Tried partying. I've tried running away. Let me just try this. Let me try Jesus. And in a kitchen in North London, I said the sinner's prayer and gave my life to Jesus. And nothing changed straight away. But I began prioritizing and building a relationship with God where I would, to an extent, be disciplined, where the first thing I look at in the morning is not my mobile phone. I wanted to get on my knees and speak to the creator and say, God, I'm giving this, you know, my life to you and I'm giving this a go. Please get me out of this court case. And every day until trial, I'd be praying in the mornings and just building that friendship with God. You know, on the train, I'd just be talking to him and just a genuine friendship. Nothing really religious about it. And I remember I was visiting some family. A lot of the family are Catholic, but as I was sharing with Phil yesterday, my granddad began going to a Pentecostal church. So somehow, some way, a small fraction of the family would visit the Pentecostal church And anyway, I was visiting family, and I remember I must have dropped my mobile phone on the floor just near a cabinet, and I opened up the cabinet. I'm still on bail. I've just visited Bedford for a couple of days, and dropped my mobile phone, opened up the cabinet, a few Bibles there, and I see a book there, and in big gold letters, it said F-A-I-T-H, faith, and I thought it's just a random devotional on faith. Little did I know it was a book by Smith Wigglesworth on faith. Now, I didn't know this. I grabbed that book, and those of you who don't know who Smith Wigglesworth is, a man of God revivalist who moved in great signs and wonders in the UK, in Bradford, known as the Apostle of Faith. And anyway, I took this book back to London with me, and I'll be honest, I was reading it before I was reading the Bible. I was just hungry. I was hungry because I've embarked on this new journey with God. And I was just like, God, I'm hungry. I want to know you more. And I was reading this book. And as I began reading this book, I was reading about a type of Christianity that I wasn't seeing in the church of this hour. I was reading about the dead being raised, not in a third world country somewhere else, right here in the UK. I was reading about amputated body parts growing back. Again, not somewhere else. Right here. If you get on the M1, get up the motorway in Yorkshire and them areas and everywhere. You know, when, it, when we look at the Wesley revival, the Jeffrey brothers, so many amazing moves of God that happened in this nation. And I thought to myself, I'm not becoming a Christian to join a club. I'm not becoming a Christian to have a membership, you know, like we have memberships elsewhere. I'm becoming a Christian because, Lord, one, I want to know you. I want relationship with you. And two, I want to see you move. I want to see you move through my life, through my generation. I want to see you move. And I began reading this book, and it was like a spiritual hunger began to develop on the inside of me. Just like an appetite, just... You know, I was like, God, if this is Christianity, I want some of this. If this is the same faith, if this is connected to Jesus Christ, to the book of Acts, and these amazing moves of God that have taken place, God, I want this. 
But this court case was just hanging over my head. And it was just like, I'm trying to move forward with God. But it's just like it's whispering in my ear every moment that you're going to go to prison. That, you know, your life's going to be over soon. But nonetheless, I just kept moving forward with God. Reading this book, you know, even when my five senses are telling me something else, just keep speaking the word. And, you know, when all of hell is putting pressure on your flesh... I was just like, Lord, I'm giving this a go. I'm knocking on your door and I'm not going to stop until I receive your love and your power and your grace. And anyway, I began reading this book and it's a few weeks to go until trial. And I remember I was sitting on the train now, just on the way to the court case. And it was pretty amazing, really, because I said to God, I said, God, if I go into prison today, you know, I'm, I'm happy to go in. You know, let your will be done. It was one of them moments where I was just like, Lord, I'll go into prison. I'll evangelize. I'll tell people about you. And then I'll come out in a few years and carry on, you know, in my mission of, I never thought of a ministry or being on a stage. It was always just reaching souls and just evangelism everywhere. And um, yes, I'm sitting on the train now and um, I've got this Smith Wigglesworth book in my pocket. I take it around with me everywhere. And I remember just crying out to God, literally looking to the skies and saying, God, you know, I'm just looking at the time. It's 11.11. God's been speaking to me prophetically about that number. I'll probably share about that later on. But God is just confirming things to me personally. But anyway, sitting on that train, sorry, (laughs) sitting on that train. And honestly, I was crying out to God, just literally looking to the sky And just saying, God, if you're real, just please help me. And then I opened up this Christian book and it had in there the scripture, Mark 11, 22 to 24. And I was crying out to God to move this mountain. But now I'm reading Mark 11, 22 to 24. And it's saying, speak to the mountain and cast it into the sea. And this was in red letters. So Jesus Christ himself was saying this. And as I was reading that, something clicked on the inside. It was like I wasn't reading it, didn't go into my head. It's like it went from my head and fell into my heart and went from head knowledge to revelation knowledge. And I just said it clicked. And I thought to myself, it's like a holy aggression rose up on the inside of me. And I just said, listen, you court case, I'm speaking to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, move right now. I don't care what the lawyer says. I don't care what the judge says. I don't care what the piece of paper says. According to the words of God, according to the power in the name of Jesus, court case, move right now. And friends, you know what? That's not pride. You know, when you say stuff like, I don't care what the piece of paper says. I don't care what that judge says. Because there's a false humility that will try and creep into Christianity. And everything has to be calm. Everything has to be politically correct. And, you know, I'll be really honest with you, friends. Sometimes it's false humility to put things before this word. I love the word of God. Friends, this word is powerful. This word isn't just letters on a piece of paper. Many people see this as a historical book, and it it is. 
But it's more than letters on a piece of paper. It's breathing. It's alive. It's a sword in the realm of the spirit. And friends, when a believer acts on the word and releases the word, something happens. Something shifts in the atmosphere. Friends, the word of God has power. The word, I'm not really politically correct, so I'm just going to preach it as it is today. But friends, the word has more power than a doctor's report. The word has more power than anything else written on this planet. Friends, the word will touch you where a doctor can't touch you. A word, the word will touch you where a surgeon can't go down to that level. He'll, the word will go down to the DNA level and bring transformation, restoration, and healing. Friends, the word has power. Just repeat after me. Hallelujah. And friends, just repeat after me. If God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. If God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. Friends, I believe God is looking for a people that when something is written in the word or when God prophetically speaks to us, we don't try and process it through our thought patterns or through our past experience. Forget your thought patterns. Forget your past experience. Your thought patterns have to do what the Word says. Your experiences have to line up with what the Word says. I love the Word of God. Friends, it has power. And anyway, I'm sitting on that train, and I've just prayed for this court case to move. I'm just a 20-year-old boy, and I'm just taking a leap of faith. And I got to that court case, friends, and it was like a miracle had happened. It was like the lawyer, they, half of the team didn't turn up. The solicitors were there, and they were just like, they don't know what's going on because the victim hasn't turned up. The eyewitnesses have, haven't turned up. And there was a jury, and there weren't even enough of, it was just like a miracle was taking place right now. And... We literally got a slap on the wrist and it was like a miracle had happened. And I'll be honest with you, we got out that day free. But friends, you know, it's like this. You don't, bondage isn't just being in a prison cell. You don't have to be in a prison cell to be in bondage. I walked out of that court case and the devil started whispering. Oh, you got lucky. Oh, you need to thank the lawyers and the solicitors. It's because of them. And then a few moments later, the phone rings. And it's the, my friends of the world calling me to party, saying the court case is over. Let's do this. Let's go out. That's how the enemy will dress up. He's not going to come in a red latex suit and say, hey, come and follow me. Friends, he'll dress up in these ways where he'll overwhelm you. Well, who put pressure on your flesh. But I want to let you know, friends, I believe gone are the days of weak Christians. Gone are the days when Satan goes, boo, the Christian trembles. Gone are the days when Satan throws a temptation and the Christian trips over and falls into that temptation. I believe God is raising a strong church. And I don't believe strength in your own ability. I'm not talking about the flesh. I'm talking about being strong in the power of his might. 
I got out of that court case, I was free, but the enemy was whispering. And I, I went out with them that same night. You know, we were all a bunch of rebels. I went out again the same night. I got free. The very thing I was saying, God, please help me through this. And I'll give you everything. But the same night, I ended up going out again, getting drunk, partying, and I almost got arrested again the same night. But friends, you know, this is why I love the grace of God. Because I was going deeper and deeper into darkness, but he kept tripping me over with his unconditional love and grace. I got home that night, drunk, and I just fell on my bed, but I woke up around three hours later, sober. I woke up around three hours later with no hangover or no headache, and the tangible manifest presence of God was in my room. And I just knew that I knew God is in the room. The fear of the Lord was in the room. I fell on my knees. I said, God, I repent. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did last night. And God, today I surrender. I give you everything. Not just 50%. Not just to use you as a parachute in the midst of emergency. Not just as a spare tire for when things get hard. But Lord, I want to surrender. I want to give you everything. I want Jesus to be not just a little bit on the side, but I want you to be Lord of my life. I was on my knees. It was about 5 a.m. I was like, Lord, I'm giving you everything. While I'm young, take my 20s, take my 30s, take my 40s. I'm all yours. And I was just like, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what my family say. I don't care what my friends say. I don't care what anyone says. Lord, I'm following you. And as I lifted up off my knees, I was a new man. I was a different person. I know I may have said the sinner's prayer a few weeks before that, but I knew I'd been born again. I just knew it. I remember so clearly the moment I was born again, I couldn't recognize myself. Something had changed. It was like, this is the house and the lights were off, but now the lights have come on. I've been separated from God through the fall of Adam and now through repentance and through the grace of God, I've been reconnected and redeemed and reconciled back to my father. Friends, I knew something had changed. Something had happened. I didn't have the same look in my eyes anymore. I was different. People would stop me down the street. You know, before, I'd be one of them people, if someone looks at me down the street, I would say, what are you looking at? You know, I would not move out of the way so I nudge into them and cause a problem for no reason. That's how I was. But now I was walking past people and I couldn't get the smile off my face. I was like, I just wanted to love everyone. I was, something had changed. People would stop me down the street and say, there's something different about you. I can see something around you. Atheists I'm talking about. And then I'd just tell them it's Jesus. It was amazing. But something really happened. The reason I'm sharing it so specifically and so detailed, because you need to know, it's not just something that happens and then it's just in a church and then it's like, there's nothing in between. But every moment of the day, Jesus was real. I couldn't go 10 minutes without my day without thinking of him. I was in love with him. I'm sure some of you have had a crush in your early days on someone, and you can't stop thinking about him. I was in love. 
I was in love with God and I couldn't stop thinking about him. And even till this day, I think it's healthy for a believer to not go about 15 minutes without thinking about God and worshipping God. I think that's healthy. You know, just to worship him, just to whisper. You could be having a cup of tea. Thank you, Lord, for this cup of tea. You could be going through a trial. Lord, in the midst of this, I worship you. You could just be daydreaming about life. But Lord, thank you. I've got breath in my lungs once again. Friends, listen, I I always tell my team and my family, we're a little little bit Pentecostal, I'll be honest. There's different types of evangelists. There's comical evangelists that will have a laugh. There are one-to-one evangelists. There are... I've been touched with the fire. I'm going to share that in a moment. But I tell my team, I want us praying in that language more than the English language. I want to be moving in that realm more than this physical realm. I know that's a bit far-fetched. I know that's a little bit deep. And it's beyond our five senses. But we serve a supernatural God. And before I'm a human being, I'm a spirit man. Before I'm a British man, I'm a man of God. I belong to God. I'm a child of God. Everything else of the flesh comes after. That comes after. Hallelujah. Everything else comes after. Hallelujah. I may have been born through my earthly mother, but I've been born again through my heavenly father. Hallelujah. I've been born again. Glory to God. And I just woke up that day and I was a different person. I just knew it. I just knew it. I went back to my mum and they couldn't recognize me. I was showing her Christian songs just on my phone, just to convince her that, Mum, something's happened to me, I'm changed. It was, it was, it was serious. And, and anyway, some time went on, and as I was reading about the likes of Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, then I got plugged into a church, began reading the book of Acts, and I saw this is everywhere. This isn't just some movement or some denomination or, or some sect of Christianity. This is all over the word. Where believers encounter God, where the worst of sinner encounters God and goes and changes the world through signs and what this was everywhere. And that hunger, that spiritual hunger, that's what I'm speaking about today. I'm just intertwining it with my testimony a little bit. But that hunger just kept growing and growing and growing on the inside of my heart. And I'd just be witnessing on the streets everywhere, everywhere I'd go. And there came a point where my family, they're from a Catholic background, and none of them really walking with the Lord, a lot of alcoholism, a lot of, you know, it's a big family. My dad's got five brothers, two sisters, so we've got loads of cousins, like first cousins. So functions, family functions would would always be quite big. And what our family would do as a religious duty is every New Year's Day, Without fail, they would have a Catholic prayer meeting in my grandma's home. Without fail, every New Year's Day. And what it would be, everyone would be sitting there for an hour, looking at their watch, looking at their phone, waiting for it to end. Then the cousins would go out clubbing. The men would go forth drinking and doing what they're doing. That would be it. You know, just a religious thing to just start the year holy, you know. And... I've been saved now a few months and reaching a lot of unbelievers. And I knew I need to reach my family. I need to reach my uncles, aunties, cousins. I need to tell them what's happened. This is before any ministry. I didn't even have a grid. I, I used to get randomers come up to me and say, you know, you're going to have a ministry, etc., etc. Many things are going to happen. 
And I, I genuinely didn't think they were talking about me and they're probably talking about my church because I just didn't have a grid. I didn't even, it was just evangelism. It was just, you know, there's a verse in the Bible. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And in the New Living Translation, it says, if you are redeemed, tell someone your story. So that's all I was doing, just telling people my story because I've been redeemed. And so this New Year's gathering, Catholic family, all there in a small living room in Bedford. And I knew I need to share my testimony. I knew I have to do it. And I went into the prayer meeting. My younger brother who's here, he's a witness. He was in that living room right there. And we were there. I I respectfully let them finish. Um, And, you know, they prayed to Mary. They did what they were doing. I just let them finish. But as I stood up afterwards, it was like the Holy Spirit came upon me and filled my mouth. It was like an authority where it wasn't Daniel, really. It was an authority that was coming from the Holy Spirit. And I just began sharing my testimony and my story right there. And I can see they were looking at each other, laughing and just thinking, you know, what's Daniel? They're all about my age, some of them a little bit older and younger. They were just a little bit baffled. But then, I don't know why, but I just felt to shout out. I said, we're all going to pray, just bow your heads. I just felt to shout out, fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire of the Holy Ghost. I don't really know why I'm reading these books. I'm reading about these revivals. I'm hungry, so I'm just taking a step of faith. Just childlike. You know, not making it complicated. I like just keeping things simple. Someone once told me, Daniel, an anointed teacher will make the complicated sound simple. But an annoying teacher will make the simple sound complicated. It's annoying, but sometimes we flick through some Christian videos. I'm like to my wife, do you know what they're saying? And she's like, no. I'm like, thank you, neither do I. I just don't, do you know what I mean? I'm just simple. You know, I'm not preaching for the theologian, but for the teenager, so they can understand what I'm saying. For the 12-year-old, for the ordinary folk that are listening right now. In that living room, I began to shout out, fire of the Holy Ghost. 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 And I got to about 20, and the atmosphere changed. I hadn't laid hands on anyone, and on the other side of the living room, my 16-year-old cousin was on the floor with the power of God going through him. He just went down. No one knew what was going on. And my other cousin went down under the Holy Spirit. We hadn't touched anyone. This is just happening. You know, God just invaded that living room. It was incredible. And everyone began really getting serious with God because the atmosphere changed in the room. And, you know, from that day, something changed. Something shifted. My family properly surrendered to God and got on fire for God. Now they're in the ministry, you know, my brother now still on fire for God and a number of others in that little living room. My seven-year-old cousin got hit with the Holy Spirit. He was having dreams of meeting Jesus the same night. It was a genuine mini outpouring in the living room. It was, it was amazing. And I got home that day just in awe of God. I was just like, Lord, how have you used me? Like, you know, I'm just no certificates, no nothing, just a hungry heart. And I began to realize God doesn't look at your age. God doesn't look at your skin color. 
God doesn't look at how long you've been saved. God will look at the depths of your heart, the hunger that's within your heart. I was just hungry. I was just hungry. I didn't have a formula. I didn't have an idea. I was just hungry. And then I found out that, you know, Reinhard Bonnke's coming to London. I didn't even know who he was. But leaders around me would say, Daniel, you need to go. So I would, I would just like, I'm hungry. I need to go. I'm hungry for a touch from God. I'm hungry. I need to be used by God. Lord, if you've moved in the living room like this, I know you can move on the street. I know you can do it on a larger scale. You know, these guys are family. They're sinners. And you've touched them in this way. And I know, but Lord, I'm hungry. I know before you touch others, you've got to work on me. I'm starving. Touch me. I'm starving for your fire. And I got to this place in London, the Kensington Temple, and I was starving for God. Big queue outside the building, massive queue, and I just knew that I need to be here. I was probably the youngest there, and just many others around me queuing up. And my flesh was saying to me, I'm out of my depth here. But God knew that something's going to happen in this place. I was hungry. I wasn't even looking at the man of God. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't thinking I'm waiting for the preacher to touch me. I, I was starving. You know, sometimes we can bow down on our knees. We can lie down flat on the ground and we can look like we're hungry. We can have the words, the Christian language to make it sound like we're hungry. But really in our hearts, we may not be that hungry. And I was in a place where every fiber of my being was crying out. I was like, Lord, I'm not leaving this building until you touch me. I'm just not going to leave. So, Lord, I need you to touch me. I need your fire. There was a hunger. There was a desperation. And friends, every single night, the fire of God came upon me. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. Genuinely. Genuinely, you know, as I was immersed in the Holy Ghost, tangibly that fire was going through my body, tangibly, like electricity going through every fiber of my being for hours, for hours. And it would last on me for a few weeks, gently, just for a few weeks, gently. Like I'd worship a little bit and then it's on me like that very quickly. It was just really, really supernatural what's happened. And the same day that fire came upon me, just repeat after me, the same day, immediately, I love suddenlies of God, I really do. I love it, I've experienced a few suddenlies in my life, and there is a power when God suddenly shows up, when God suddenly heals someone, when God suddenly breaks the power of cancer over someone's life. I love the suddenlies of God, and the same day, I went out into the shopping center because I knew I've received something today. And I'm not just going to keep it to myself. I've received something today and I want to go give it out. I'm not waiting until I get married. I'm not waiting until I'm 40 years old, until I look like a preacher. I'm going out today because I know that the fire has come upon me. And friends, I went out into Westfield shopping center. And the first person I see limping in crutches was a Muslim. I went up to him, and I'm going to be honest with you, I felt the five senses and a few whispers of the enemy say, Daniel, you're going to look very stupid if he doesn't get healed. I heard a few whispers say, Daniel, you're in public. 
isn't a Christian gathering. You're in HMV in a CD store in London. But I had a decision to make. I'm either going to act on them other little whispers or I'm going to act on the holy, infallible, incorruptible word of God. And I just thought, you know what? Because sometimes, friends, faith is about taking risks. It's never come just like that. You know, you know, in terms of signs and wonders, there's always, there's always had to be a point where I've had to go beyond my five senses and trust him. Because if we, if we don't step out of the boat, we're not really letting faith move in a powerful way. We're, we're staying safe. We're staying safe. But the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. And sometimes we need to get uncomfortable and let the Holy Spirit do his job and comfort us. Sometimes we need to get into a place where we need his help. He's called the helper. And I just pushed myself into a situation where I was just like, God, only you can do this. I can't do this. Only you can do it. I went up to this Muslim gentleman and I said, I'm very sorry to bother you. I'm not here to debate with you and have dialogue with you right now. Maybe another time we can discuss. For now, I could just see you're in crutches. What happened? I love asking people what happened to them. They love talking about them being, you know, ill and sharing about what's happened. So that just gets them open, opened up and gets them going. So he said, look, I tore a ligament while I was playing football. I said, well, listen, I'm a Christian. I know you're a Muslim. I'm not here to ask you for a donation. I'm not here to force you to my church. I'm not here to argue with you. Just through unconditional love, just compassion and grace, can I pray for you? Because I believe God can heal you right now. And he said, he was just a bit, you know, shocked. He didn't really have nothing to say. But his other half said, come on then, let's see. So just with childlike faith, immediately, I just quietly put my hand on his knee and said, get out right now. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the devil says. And I don't care what your leg says. According to the power in the name of Jesus Christ, leg, wake up right now. And friends, right there, this Muslim gentleman went for a run in HMV, dropped his crutches, his eyes were watering. He said, all the pain has gone. How? Yeah, praise God. It was amazing. He said, how did you do that? And friends, I began to realize that, you know what? We need the power of God. We need the gifts of the Spirit. We need the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. We can't just come and be entertained as Christians. We can't just come and just, you know, go through the motions of five Christian conferences a year, four church services a week, three devotionals a day, but tell not one person about Jesus Christ or, or never really experience his fire. Friends, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to say we can do this. I'm here to say you can do this. Just get hungry. Just have a hungry heart. Even now, say within yourself that, God, I'm not really leaving this place until you touch me. I'm not bothered about what I'm going to eat later on. I'm not thinking about work tomorrow morning for a moment. Lord, I'm in this place. I'm in these two revival services. And I'm not leaving until I receive your fire. I'm not leaving until I receive your touch. I'm not leaving until I receive that breakthrough that I need in this place. Hallelujah. Not too long after that, I met my wife, Tanya, who's an amazing woman of God. And yeah, just, yeah, amazing. And God's been doing great things ever since our ministry has birthed. 
literally from the streets, from witnessing outside nightclubs to just traveling overseas and just going for it, keeping soul winning the focus always. And that's my story in a nutshell. But I wanted to just emphasize on the hunger, hunger, how I'm not just going to preach about hunger. This is something I've experienced. It's something that's happened. And that video wasn't played to entertain you. It was played to show you, hang on a second, God is still moving. Regardless of what the news says, God is still alive and shining bright in the darkest of moments. And I believe we're going to see greater you know, I'm, I'm talking about the church of the UK, that we, as believers, as children of God, we're going to see greater salvations, greater signs and wonders in Jesus' name. Yes. Are you hungry for God? Yes. Hunger moves the heart of God. Hallelujah. If we turn to Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the ninth hour of prayer. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. Verse 5. So the lame man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, there's that word again. Immediately, immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple. With them walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that that was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with amazement and wonder at what had happened to him. Verse 11. Now, as the lame man was healed, held on to Peter and John, and all the people ran together around them, which is called the porch, which is called greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel... Why do you marvel at us like we've done this through our own power or our own godliness that we've made this man walk? But the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered up in the presence of Pilate and you denied him when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just 
and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. I love this portion of scripture. And when I read this and and, and interpret it just as an ordinary person reading this, I see Peter and John, a couple of ordinary followers of Jesus Christ, who have come out of an amazing Holy Ghost service in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And they've received the impartation. Jesus said, wait, tarry until my spirit comes. Don't just go out and... Go for it without the Holy Ghost. (coughs) Wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for him to come. You know, and just to add on to that, I love evangelism with the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like it. I remember before I went into the ministry full time, I worked for the ambulance service. And there'd be amazing testimonies. I'd come home every day with stories Telling my wife of people that have been touched by God, led to God in the back of the ambulance. It was amazing. But you know what I found profound is evangelism with the Holy Ghost, for me, is the best type of evangelism. Because there are folk that evangelize in the flesh. There are folk that evangelize because they've been hurt by the church. And their anger towards the church is so aggressive. There are people that evangelize in many different ways, through many different methodologies, through many different programs. For me, I love evangelism with the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost will tell you when to speak and when not to speak, who to speak to right there and not who not to speak to. Because guess what, friends? I led so many to the Lord, including staff and etc. People were healed at the back of the ambulance. A quick story I'll share, then I'll get back to the word. I like being practical like this because many of you are going back to work tomorrow. Many of you are not going to be in church this week. And I want to let you know that you don't have to wait for a church service to enjoy Jesus and share that grace with others. You can do it out there. You can do it in your professional environment. We have to do it. With what they're doing, pushing all their agendas on us, with the LGBT, with with what's happening in the system, they're forcing it down our throat. They're forcing it upon the young children. And I'm not saying we need to force it, but I'm saying we can operate in love and at least be fearless about it. Because when I look at Jesus Christ, my saviour... My saviour, my rock, my salvation, my hiding place, my strong tower. When I look at Jesus, he didn't die in a public, in a secret place. He died in a public place. He died publicly on the Mount of Golgotha where everyone could see him. He was there at the beginning of time. He saw the galaxies created. He's the one, friends, who is the king of kings. But on the cross that day, he died public. It was in a public place. But then, if he died public, why should we keep our Christianity a secret? Especially with what's going on. Because let me tell you this, friends, right now, persecution is at our doorstep. 
It may not be the same as the Middle East, but it's going to dress up in different ways. With what's going on in the system, and when the Christian even has an opinion, they're going to say, we are narrow-minded, or we're bigots, or we're this and that. They're they're trying to put a muzzle on the mouth of the Christian. And there's a politically correct spirit, which really is the spirit of the Antichrist. And it wants to close the mouth of the Christian. But I want to let you know today, there is hope for the church. The church might might have fell asleep for a moment in religion and tradition. But I believe the fire of God is coming back into the church where the Holy Ghost is going to come upon the teenagers, where the Holy Ghost is going to come upon the elderly, the ordinary professional in the workplace. And guess what, friends? I didn't get in trouble once. It was exhilarating. It was fun. I didn't get in trouble once. And guess what? I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. When people come to me and say, Daniel, how can you go up to a crowd of Muslims and, you know, preach so publicly with the power of God? I say, listen, that's not Daniel. If that was Daniel, Daniel wouldn't be able to do that. I'm just like you guys. But the Holy Ghost, when he comes upon a believer, when you're immersed and baptized in the Holy Ghost, I'm not talking about being just filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about being immersed in the Holy Ghost. There's a difference between having a glass of water and jumping into a swimming pool. There's a difference. When I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, something happened. Anyway, Holy Ghost, my bestest friend. Evangelism with the Holy Ghost. It's amazing. It's incredible. He'll help you be as wise as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove. The Holy Ghost. I remember once there was a woman we had to collect in our ambulance and she was the only survivor of an accident. And when I heard that we're going to collect her, I was just like, you know, God, I need to share the gospel with her. I don't know how, but Lord, make a way. Make a way. The problem was I was on a two-man crew. I had my colleague with me, and I knew I couldn't do it with my colleague there. And once we collected this woman, she was shaken up, just shaken up, you know, from this accident. And I was in the ambulance, and I was just whispering in tongues, you know, just, just praying under my breath. And my colleague said, listen, I have to stop off on this side of the hospital to grab something. I just knew that's my opening. That's the chance there. God, you've made a way. And if you make a way, I will do it. I really, really will. I'll I'll embarrass myself. I don't care. I'll be a fool for Christ. I don't care. I'll do it. Just make a way. Give me the opportunity and I'll do it. Anyway, the guy leaves the ambulance and now I'm alone with her in the back of the ambulance. And I just said, listen, I've just got to share this with you. I know it's going to sound crazy, but God saved you today. You're the only survivor for a reason. And she was trembling. And this is what she said to me. She said, 10 minutes before the collision, a Christian friend called me up. She said, I'm not a Christian, but I've got a Christian friend. She called me up and said, I'm praying for you and God bless you. And it was a brief conversation. But when the phone hung up, 10 minutes later, the car accident happened. And now you're telling me this in the back of the ambulance. I said, listen, today... You've got to give your life to Jesus. He's got a plan for your life. And you know, 
and I just, and what I did then, I took her hand and I said, I'm going to pray for you. As I prayed for her in the back of the ambulance, the Holy Spirit came upon her. She was crying and overwhelmed. She said, I've given my life to Jesus. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. And she did it right there with me. And as soon as I said, amen, the ambulance door opened and my colleague came in that split second. Just divine. Just divine moments that God opened up. The point I'm trying to say, it was evangelism with the Holy Ghost. He'll whisper it on your heart. He'll even bring a little conviction every now and again. There's nothing wrong with a bit of conviction. But evangelism with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is the greatest evangelist. Half the time, I don't even know what I'm going to say to the person. But I've just taken that step, just out of love to just say hi. And the Holy Ghost will give you words and release things off your tongue that weren't even in your brain. Because it's not coming from you. Hallelujah. Evangelism with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. (laughs) Yeah. So Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, they've just come out of a Holy Ghost service in the upper room. They've received the anointing. They've received the power. Jesus said, tarry. Jesus said, wait. Wait for the Holy Ghost. The business that I've got for you to do, you can't do it in your flesh. You need the Holy Ghost. So wait for that moment for when the Holy Ghost comes. The Holy Ghost come in Acts chapter 2. And now Peter and John have received from God. Now they're going for a walk. They're going to a prayer meeting. A couple of Pentecostals by the name of Peter and John have received the Holy Ghost. Now they're going to another prayer meeting. Praise God. And what I love is, friends, the man who was lame from birth, paralyzed, couldn't walk. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 3, verse 3. Who, seeing Peter on, you don't have to go there, just, just, just listen, just receive this. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Just repeat after me, expecting to receive. You see, this man was lame from birth. He was expecting to receive a little bit of change, just a few coins, but he got new legs that day. An expectant heart, a hungry heart, a desperate heart will cause you to tap into more of God. And God will go over and above what you need. You know what I love about that? Peter and John, I'm sure they could have given a few coins. I'm sure they could have spoken to the committee and taken out a few coins for the offering basket before they go out into the world. I'm sure they could have gave a few coins. But friends, when we got born again, we didn't, we didn't get born into a charitable organization. Hello. Friends, when we got born again, we got born into the kingdom of God. We got born into the family of God. They could have given him some change. And it's good to give people change. You know, we blessed the busker yesterday. Take 10 pounds. Thank you for your speaker. You know, it was amazing. It's good to give money. It's good to bless people. We believe in that. When it comes to the power of God, when it comes to evangelism with the Holy Ghost, when it comes to hunger 
and tap it into God. This guy was lame, but he was expecting to receive. He was expecting to receive a little bit of change, but he got new legs. Because Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man was healed immediately. You see, friends, something happens when there's a hungry heart on one side and Jesus Christ on the other side. And when a hungry heart comes into contact with Jesus Christ, something happens. Miracles break out. Signs and wonders break out. Something happens when a hungry heart comes into contact with Jesus Christ. Something has to happen. Something must happen. Something definitely happens in the spirit realm. And, you know, I just love that. I just really, really love that. They were on the way to a prayer meeting. They were on the way to do the religious thing to do. But the Holy Spirit will tell you, listen, for one moment, just go this way. Just like when Paul was about to go to Asia and the Holy Spirit said, don't go Asia, go that way. It's like you can't steer a parked car, but when you're on the move, when you're following the things of God, when you're walking with Christ, you'll hear his voice. He'll give you that unction. He'll guide you. Evangelism with the Holy Ghost. This man was expecting to receive and he got new legs because the hunger in his heart, the expectancy in his heart came into contact with Jesus. Because these men are now filled with the Holy Ghost. They're filled with the nature of Christ. And now they're releasing it through the name of Jesus. Silver and gold I do not have. But the name of Jesus Christ. Take that. And something happened. If we scroll down to verse 13, verse 12 even. Peter saw and he responded to the people and said, don't look at us like we've done this. We've not done this in our strength. We've not done this in our power or our godliness. And I love verse 16. It says, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man walk. Peter and John knew, listen, we can give him a bit of change and be charitable and do the good deed. Or we can give him Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Something happens when we tell someone about Jesus. Something happens when a hungry person, an expectant person, collides and has a collision and comes into contact with Jesus Christ. It's like faith is operating on both sides. Hunger in their heart, expectancy in their heart, and Jesus. And spirit-filled believers that are ready to preach the undiluted word of God. Hallelujah. Matthew 15, verse 21. When a hungry heart comes into contact with Jesus Christ, something happens, something shifts, healings break out. Matthew 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went out there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. He ignores her. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. Verse 24. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. I'm going to stop there just for a moment. I love that. This woman is saying, Jesus, I need some help. Jesus, my child is suffering. But in that specific moment of time, Jesus is saying, I've not come for you. I've come for the Jews. I can't give you this right now. See, what we have to remember, this was on, this was before the cross. This was on that side of the cross. After the blood is shed, after the resurrection, we know that salvation will open up to the non-Jews, to the Greeks, to the Gentiles. But in this specific moment of time, Jesus ignored her. Jesus said, I've not come for you, I've come for them. I was not sent for the lost sheep of you, but for the house of Israel. But friends, listen to this. Verse 25, she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. I love that. New King, New King James says she came and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. She didn't get her breakthrough in the first two seconds, but she didn't give up. There are people that give up after five minutes. They try Jesus, and then they backslide. They don't get their miracle in the first two seconds, and they say healing is not for today. There are people that, you know, they will... I feel the Holy Spirit so strong in this place. Friends, just have your hearts open. There are people that will backslide into sin because they've not received their miracle straight away. But what I love in this scripture is she came and worshipped him. And then she said, Lord, help me. Notice she didn't say, Rabbi, help me. She didn't say, teacher, can you help me? She knew he's Lord. She knew who he was. And she's not ready to leave that premises without receiving her breakthrough. She knew he's the Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the one everyone's waiting for. And I'm not really leaving this premises without, I receive, without me receiving that breakthrough. Hallelujah. She came and worshipped him. She said, Lord, help me. I love that. Lord, help me. Because sometimes we make Jesus saviour of our life, but we haven't made him Lord of our life. Sometimes we've got him as a ticket to heaven or as a parachute, or as a spare tire that will pull out in emergency, and say, Jesus, help me, I'm now going through a tough time. But through Monday to Friday, we don't really want to know him. And that was like me, when I first, my early days, have given my life to Christ. But then there came a point where I surrendered. I surrendered. There's a difference between having Jesus Savior, but having him as Lord of your life. having him Lord of your life is where he's truly number one. Where intimacy with the Lord is the first thing that matters to you. Friendship and fellowship with God is everything. But we don't just leave it there. 
We need to go from the secret place to the public place. Some folk just want to do secret place. But I'm here to let you know, friends, too many souls are perishing for a believer to just be in the secret place. We need to do both. Be in the secret place from the secret place. Go out to the public place. Because Jesus said, for what you do in the secret, you will be rewarded in the open. David, before he killed Goliath publicly, he killed a lion and a bear in the secret place. Friends, we need to go from the secret place to the public place because the public demonstration comes from the secret overflow of being with him I've walked with him I've talked with him I've sat with him so now when I'm going up to a crowd of Muslims I'm not going with Daniel's atmosphere I'm not going in Daniel's name I'm not going in the name of my church nothing would happen I'm not going in the name of my denomination nothing would happen I'm going in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and through faith in his name. The name of Jesus has power. Cancer has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Depression has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Suicide has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, that name has too much power. And when that name comes into contact with someone who's hungry, someone who's starving, someone who's desperate, someone who's not ready to give up, friends, a miracle will happen. The name of Jesus has too much power. Jesus said, believers, in my name will cast out devils. Jesus said, when two or more are gathered, in my name. When two or more agree, in my name. Friends, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to let you know, friends, that name has weight in the realm of the spirit. See, there's a politically correct spirit out there and they don't like the name of Jesus. I'm going to be honest with you. When I pray, I don't just pray in the name of God. I pray like my big brothers, Peter and John. I'm coming in the name of Jesus Christ. That name's the name that has power. That is the name that causes demons to flee. That is the name that causes cancer to dissolve. I'm coming in the name of Jesus Christ. That name has too much power. When Jesus comes into contact with someone who's hungry, something happens. Something shifts. This woman, this Canaanite woman, this non-Jew woman, she was hungry. She's a non-Jew. In their eyes, she can't even have what they've got right now. And I want to let you know, young people, religious folk might have told you, you can't have the power of God, or you can't move in signs and wonders, or you've got to wait till you're 40 years old and married. But I'm here to let you know, friends, if you've got a hunger in your heart, If you're elderly in this place and you're hungry, you're burning on the inside. If you're middle-aged and you're saying, God, I'm not leaving this place until I receive that breakthrough. Friends, God can and God will touch you. Only believe. Only believe. Hallelujah. Lord, help me. And then Jesus again says, it is not good to take the children's bread, to throw it to the little dogs. Even after she's worshipped him, even after she said, help me. He's still saying, listen, I can't do it right now. This was her response. Yes, Lord. I love that. 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Lord, she knew all I need is a crumb. I don't want the whole loaf of bread, Jesus. Keep that for the Jews. I just want a crumb. And I'm here to let you know, friends, all you need is one touch of his fire, one touch of his power. But God is looking for a people that are hungry, that are starving, that aren't ready to give up, that are here and they're saying, I'm not leaving until you touch me. Friends, you know what? If I've come here for three of you that are hungry, I don't mind. Because that's just the sort of person I am. We, we, we're on the streets every day. Crowds, big crowds, small crowd. doesn't really bother us too much, to be honest with you. So if I've come here for three of you that are starving, three of you that are hungry for the fire of God, three of you that are here to receive your breakthrough, I want to let you know I've come here for you. I've come here for you who are hungry. I've come here for you that are ready to receive the fire. That are here ready to receive your miracle. Because God will break your chain to make you a chain breaker. Hallelujah. I'm struggling to get through this passage, but let's see where we go from here. Even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall through their master's table. Just a little crumb. That's all I need. And then Jesus answered and says, oh woman, great is my anointing. He didn't say that. Great is my power from heaven. He didn't say that. Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. A few minutes ago, Jesus is saying, I can't give you this. But a few minutes later, he's saying, great is your faith. Something happened in between. Something happened in between. And what happened in between was a hungry heart, a persistent heart, a tenacious faith where I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to slow down. I'm not going to back down. Jesus, I need it now. And you know what I love? Just to go a little bit deeper. This was before the cross. Jesus said, I can't give you this. Through a hungry heart, she tapped into something that was reserved for another day. Faith is a higher law than time. In the spirit realm, there's no time. So when we die, when we step over to the other side, we're going to feel more alive than we've ever felt before. This realm, listen, that realm of the spirit is more real than this realm. Way more real. And because there's no time in the spirit, it's going to feel like a few minutes on the earth that I just went through. Who did I reach? Who did I tell about Jesus? How surrendered was I? What did I do in them few minutes on the earth? Who did I reach? Because friends, yesterday we were 10 years old. Tomorrow we're going to be 30, 60, 80. And as soon as we know it, friends, this life is going to be over. The Bible says this life is a vapor. Vapor. Just that little bit of smoke on top of the tea kettle. Just a vapor. It's there one minute. It's gone the next. You might count it in individual years. Try counting it in decades. And you'll know this is going to go by quick. So while there's breath in your lungs... 
while there's blood flowing through your veins. Friends, firstly, we need to know him. We need to have Jesus as Lord and Savior. Secondly, we need to spread him. We need to share his love and grace. Hallelujah. Glory to God. A hungry heart. When it comes into contact with Jesus Christ, something happens. The spirit realm has no time. So this woman tapped into something that was reserved for another day. In essence, that hunger in her heart, that tenacious faith, compressed time. And I'm here to let you know, the doctor may say it's going to take six months for you to recover. But I'm here to let you know, in the next six minutes, time can be compressed. Hungry heart. A hunger in your heart. Friends, one thing I can guarantee you from this pulpit today is you will see Jesus. Young people, I'm speaking to you. Elderly people, I'm speaking to you. Every person that can hear my voice today, whether you're watching via a broadcast or whatever, I'm here to let you know you will see Jesus. Whether it's in 30 years, whether it's in 100 years, whether it's when he returns... But one thing that I can guarantee you is you will see Jesus. You will look into those eyes and you will see him. But I'm here to let you know today, you don't have to wait until then to be near to him. In that day, everyone has to bow their knee. But you can bow your knee today by choice, by free will. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to ask Danny to just come up on the keys. And friends, just stay in this place. Like I said, if I'm here for a few of you that are starving, that are hungry, that aren't bothered about what you're going to eat later, but you want to eat here today. You're starving. Everything else can wait. You're hungry. This may not be for everyone. You know, I'm a Pentecostal evangelist, so I'm just going to say it as it is today. And I know a few of you will receive fire that will transform you. Because friends, the fire of God will bring a change. Every... Every church needs the fire of God. Every Methodist needs the fire of the Holy Ghost. Every Baptist needs the fire of the Holy Ghost. Every charismatic needs the fire of the Holy Ghost. We need his fire. We need his touch. Because I can't give out that which I haven't got. I just can't give what I haven't got. But when he touches you, when he changes you, Friends, you'll never be the same. Those around you will never be the same. When I was baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire, I was just not the same. And if we look at Peter, because I know a few things are going to happen here today. Salvations, people are going to turn to Jesus for the first time. People are going to recommit their lives to Jesus again. And people are going to receive the baptism. In the Holy Ghost and fire. Some of you may say, Daniel, I've messed up too many times. Daniel, I'm a sinner. Daniel, you don't even know what's going on in my family right now. You don't know what happened last night. I'm stuck on this addiction that's got a hold of me even last week. Daniel, 
I'm not good enough for this. But I'm here to let you know none of us are good enough. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus, our Savior, hung on a wooden cross. And he became sin. He took our sin that we might receive his righteousness. What does that mean? It means every one of our wrongdoings, the nature of sin, every filth, every darkness we've ever committed, everything of our past, Jesus. Friends, he was at that cross and he became sin. And when he became sin, friends, everything changed. The father had to look away. He became sin. So we can receive his righteousness. Jesus, who was perfect, received sin. So we who were sinners can stand in his perfection. Jesus Christ was beaten so badly that he was made unrecognizable. So me and you can be recognized before the Father. Jesus Christ received maximum separation from the Father. So me and you can have the closest intimacy and closeness anyone can ever have to the Creator. Friends, He made a way. And you may have messed up, but there's hope for you. You may have fallen into sin, but the Bible says a righteous man falleth seven times, but he will rise up again. And Peter, our big brother who we're just reading about, friends, they went through so much. They went through so much for the gospel. And when I look at the life of Peter, Friends, he saw the miracles. He saw the signs and wonders. I feel the fire of God. Just receive that. You don't have to wait until a certain time. Just let that come upon you. I can see some of you weeping. Some of you getting touched. Just receive that. Just yield to that. Peter, he saw the signs and wonders. But Peter, friends, in the heat of the moment... He failed. He denied Christ three times. And it looked like it was the end of Peter. One betrayer has already gone and hung himself. And now it looks like it's going to be the end of Peter. But friends, it wasn't the end of Peter. Because when Jesus died and rose again, they went fishing on the boat. Peter and some of the disciples, they thought Jesus is, you know. But Jesus appeared on the shore. And when Peter saw Jesus, he jumped off that boat and swam towards his Savior. The Bible says that they weren't even far from from the land. But how hungry he must have been to meet with his Savior, to repent and say, Lord, I didn't mean to deny you. In one of the Gospels, it says when Peter denied Jesus, Jesus was actually looking at him as he did it. How Peter must have felt. But now Peter has jumped off that boat. 
swimming to his Savior. What an act of repentance. And the restoration of Peter begins. Jesus asks him the three questions, restoring the three times Peter denied him. And that wasn't the end of Peter because this same Peter, who was just an ordinary fisherman, got plucked off that business to serve God. In the heat of the moment, he denied Christ. How he must have felt. But Jesus restores him. As he repents, that grace was open to him. And in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, this Peter receives a fire. This Peter receives the baptism. This Peter receives the Holy Ghost. And we see a different Peter. Forget running the opposite direction. Now the Holy Ghost has come upon him. He's walking towards them. Because as the Holy Ghost fell, many began getting saved. People were laughing, saying, these men are drunk. What are they doing? Speaking in other languages. And we saw a different Peter. Peter said, men of Judea, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But this is that what the prophet Joel spoke. That in the last days... God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And this Peter went on to turn the world upside down to the point of being crucified for Christ. And he still didn't deny Christ after that. So friends, I want to let you know there's hope for you. It may have been a rocky journey, but there's hope for you. You may have fallen by the wayside, but there's still hope for you. You can still fulfill the call of God on your life. You can repent today. You can turn to God today through the hunger that's in your heart. You can receive that touch that comes from heaven. Just rise to your feet all over this place. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.